So hello and welcome to episode 15 of Silent Class. Hi Glenn, how are you doing? I don't think we expected to be chatting at this point in time in the week. Well, I don't know, after last night I, I was kind of expecting that we might be uh, talking about Sam Ricketts going, but maybe not as quickly today as we thought. But yeah, I suppose one of the benefits, Ollie, to start off with from working from home is that we have the ability to record this podcast during the middle of the day because we're both busy tonight and it wouldn't have happened, would it? So lots to cover. Sam Ricketts has clearly just left the football club, um, has been yeah. sacked or, or let go. So yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting time. Yep, so um, yeah, we can do this in our lunch break. I don't think I've ever put an agenda <laughs> and gone through a game as quick as this. I think it's about 15 minutes of the whole yeah. game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you say, um, the announcement came out at 11.45 this morning. Um, but Sam Ricketts has gone. Um, I don't I wouldn't say I'm, I'm ecstatic or buzzing, but I would say I think my feeling is relief. Yeah, I think relief is a, is a good feeling, isn't it? I'm quite um, excited, I suppose. Um, not because yeah. Sam Rickers is gone and the man's lost his job. We've had our say on that over the last few weeks, Ollie, and, and yeah. regular listeners will know that we gave our, our fairly justified reasons for it. I'm excited because we move into a new era now and we've got an FA Cup game coming up on Saturday and potentially, we, we should talk about this, we may well be back in the stadium next Wednesday and a new manager in charge, which is which is always exciting. Yeah, it's a good. Good. I was going to link onto a, a tweet from Tom Griff, who's friend of the pod. Okay. And he said this time last, this time next week, we could be in the third round of the FA Cup. Be exciting to get back to the meadow and potentially have a new manager, which I think is a nice summary. Yeah, brilliant. And we might have a manager that <clears throat> doesn't want to play defensive football for most of the game because his players are aging. I mean, we've still got some systematic problems at this football well, club in terms of the, the squad balance and the team, but it, it can't help but to have some fresh eyes on it, can you it? You say that, Glenn. I've started a football <clears throat> manager game with Shrewsbury. Oh, yeah? And, um, yeah, I've got, obviously, three central defenders, no right-wingers, and <laughs> even though we've got a plethora of um, right-backs, um, the best one I have is... Um, rated for my staff is as good enough for the National League Brilliant. so, um, so none of the right backs we've got have actually come out very well no. um, and Matt Miller is horrendous so, no, I didn't yeah. change his stats in the database I just he just came across from Australia until I've seen him play I'm not supposed to change no, him that's so fair enough. I'm he not might... criticising you Glenn but yeah. I'm just saying there's a lot of work to do for the new manager whether you're yeah. a football manager or a real football manager yes certainly and yeah definitely I definitely agree there's lots of work to do and um yeah, we will get to uh, talking about new managers after the game, I suppose. And in, th- in terms yeah. of this podcast, Ollie, there's a few, three real things to cover, isn't there? There's a little introduction into where we're at now and Sam Ricketts going. We're going to just cover the Milton Keynes-Dons game in maybe a little bit less detail than normal because essentially it was Grand Dog Day as usual, so it was nothing really too new to say about it. Um, and then we'll look at new managers, new manager chat, um, and, and have a discussion about that, as well as looking at some of Ricketts' highs and lows um, during his tenure as well, Ollie, because I think it is worth just reflecting yeah. on this era that's passed. So quite, quite a lot to pack in. Um, yeah. Basically, we've got an hour, Ollie, before I have to log back onto work. So let's crack on. So Milton Keynes Dons two. It's about time they got rid of that Dons bit. It's just yeah, nonsense. Yeah. Um, and Shrewsbury two. So yeah, um, Shrewsbury's goals coming one in the first half, one in the second half, and um, Milton Keynes scored both of their goals in the second half. Um, so there's four mm-hmm. changes to the lineup. We saw Ilyev coming goal, and Miller started right wing back, and then we had Williams, Pierre, and Walker, and Daniels at left wing back, and then we had um, Vela came in. Um, into the side, and so did High, which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. So we had Edwards and High in central midfield, with kind of Pugh and Wally playing up front with Vela as like a number ten, but it was quite fluid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what did you think of the team, Glenn? And then also, what's your thoughts on someone making a special milestone? 
Yeah, the team for me, you know, we'd gone unchanged. We'd made the same mistake on Saturday, and we said there was arguments for people to be changed. We we said on the podcast on Saturday, well, I did that. I thought Bergoin would get dropped. I think you know, still think it's pretty harsh on the bloke for for making one error in a few weeks. But yeah, Ilyev came back in and didn't really cover himself in any glory either. Walker at centre back just again pointed out the lack of cover at centre back that we've got now and the, and the poor squad building that we had for a five at the back tactic. Um, Vela coming back in, fair enough. He, he obviously got the red card the other week and, and cost us, but you know he has a player that's still obviously got some quality and I saw some signs for him that in an attacking position he might be a bit better than we think. Um, and hi, yeah, he's been sitting out for a few weeks, hasn't he? But um, he's a decent enough player as well to come back in. So yeah, I wasn't, wasn't too worried about most of those changes, Ollie. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right about that milestone. 200 games for Sean Wally, and, and that's fantastic in, in all honesty. You know, it's it's a milestone that not many players have ever reached um, in recent times. Obviously, Calvin Langley stands out, Matt Sadler. Um, they're the ones that really got up there in terms of, of appearances and and it's just great for a player of that longevity, um, obviously, to to be with this football club. We just don't get it anymore. And I, I always find the longer someone's here, the more I start to like them. I just think that they knuckle down and buy into the football club, Ollie. And obviously, the narrative of this game is being his 200th and him scoring was just an absolutely... That was just such a wonderful moment that got ruined by everything else afterwards, really. Yeah, it was a nice moment. I mean, we don't get many players that have that many games with the no. with kind of standard two-year contract. Um, but yeah, it, and it was nice that he scored a goal as well. And he seems like a nice bloke. And then the good thing as well is, you know, he's played a lot of games, but he's a real fan favourite. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's a player who's just been here and has kind of, you know, been in and out at the side. He's always a regular starter, which for me, which makes it like extra a little bit special. It's funny, he's grown into that role of fan favourite and sort of club man, hasn't he? You know, back in those first season, season and a half, you know, two seasons when he first came into the club, he was never really massively well liked. He would get players that's off because his... everyone whinges at a winger and yeah. expects him to score and assist every game, I think. I think some of the fans are a little bit have very gross-tinted glasses when it comes to history and, and old wingers, I think, sometimes. True enough. And the more he's here, the more he's has shown those different snatches of quality. Um, you know, and, the, and even, to be fair, when we talk about him being inconsistent, the longer he's been here and the more mature he's got, he has become a bit more consistent you know, than he was in those early days. So he deserves credit for actually you know, playing above the level he was when he probably first joined us, I think, Ollie, even at an, an older age. So, yeah, lots of time for Sean Wally to, on, on last night. And congratulations to him on the milestone. And in all honesty, there's no reason why he can't be looking at 250 games. You know, I, I'd probably offer him a contract at the end of the season if he's still doing it. Um, and if, if he plays another 30 games this year, he's he's going to be knocking on the door of 250. So that's that's a milestone I'd be looking at if I was him. Yeah, no, it'd be nice mm. if he gets there. And yeah, it's um, kind of exciting almost. You know, how is he going to play? What position is he going to play? Is he going to play as a right winger again? All these kind of things come yeah. to mind. Yeah. But before we get to that, Glenn, um, let's let's yeah, let's fire through this MK Dons game. Yeah. I don't think it take too long, but there are some things with, worth noting in this game. I think first of all to say that the pitch was terrible. <laughs> so I do fear because um, interestingly, MK Dons have the most passes in the league, um, and they've had eighteen percent more passes than Crew. Oh, wow. So man, they love to pass. And they're going to struggle on that pitch because it's just looked like it was mud with a, with a kind of spread of, of mm. kind of potpourri green grass on the top. It um, looked like looked like they put their groundsman on furlough, Ollie. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, not ideal. Um, but nice camera angle though, could see the pitch quite well, which just makes a change. Um, but it wouldn't take very long for us to have something to kind of celebrate. So um, basically, goal kick comes forward, goes back to the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper passes it out, passes it to midfielder. Midfielder passes it back to central defender, but completely misses his man and goes straight to Wally. Yep. Wally runs forward, puts the ball on his left foot, which we I often lament and criticise, but a brilliant finish. And what a start to the game, dream start. 
classic Wally goal, exactly the sort of goal he's got a bit of a reputation for scoring. And yeah, and, and it was a very symptomatic of how the rest of this half would go, which was the key element of it being MK Dons being shambolic at the back in terms of giving the ball away and trying to play football and play out from the back. And it cost them time and time again. But yeah, we, we actually finally took advantage of a, of, a, of a sort of big chance given to us. And, you know, we've been we've been saying for the last few weeks that Wally coming in has kind of changed the attacking impetus of the team um, from when he was out with the injury. So yeah, a really good finish, really good goal. Say perfect for the 200. Um, he seems to absolutely love scoring it as well. You can see there was that sort of extra bit of joy on his face. And yeah, looking at how they played those first couple of minutes and into the you know maybe 10 minutes you were thinking we've got one we should be looking to get more really and that was the, the story of the half wasn't it, Ollie it was just a case of us not really converting as many of those chances as we could have done yeah I definitely totally agree with that mm. um, I think it's worth saying um, over the context of a few games see the um, the threat from the Ipswich game was was Worley and the threat in the Swindon game was Worley and the threat in this game was Worley um, yep. and we really have missed him which is a bit of a um, obviously been a frustration for the manager that he hasn't had some of his better players missing with Edwards and Worley but however um, yeah it's no excuse so no. Um, so it was a bright start from Shrewsbury I think that was mainly down to how poor MK Dons are so mm. you see all these stats you hear they also have the most um, accurate passes in the division but um, MK Dons were absolutely woeful and we found yep. our number 10 creative midfielder. It's called Keo, and he plays in defence for um, MK Dons. Um, <laughs> he, he was, was terrible, wasn't he? Very creative. Yeah. Very creative. <laughs> yeah, he was very creative. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they were poor. I mean, no wonder they have so many passes. They would they would play like, you know, 10 passes around the back that wouldn't threaten any team in this league. And then the, the ninth, sorry, the 11th pass, they would just give straight to us. Um, yeah. But I would also say, considering how this game went, our, our retention of the football in this game was just as bad as MK Dons, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, as much as we scored two goals and, and threw it away in the second half, we, it was a game that probably ended ended up in a fair result. We'll talk about the goals that were disallowed, yeah. but we were abject in the second half as much as they were abject in the first half, so it probably balanced out over the course of the game. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it was interesting on the quest on Saturday, Danny Cowley was talking about possession, and it's all well and good having possession, but you want meaningful, useful possession that you actually, you know, yeah. if, you, if you, you know, you can have, you know, there's always that Leicester example, which everyone refers mm. to. Da- Danny Cowley's out of a job, is he? That's interesting, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll um, so, um, so we had another good opportunity. Vela crosses the ball across the box, and Pew fluffs his lines. I can't and I think of another way to describe it. And he hit the ball against the defender. And for me, that was a big opportunity wasted. Yeah, that was one of the good chances. When he stood on the ball to me, it looked like when I was watching it last night on the eye follow. But yeah, wasted chance. Um, then we had another Wally effort, didn't we? That went for a corner, um, and then we went for another corner after that. And just couldn't convert from corners. Interesting. We had quite a lot of corners last night, but we didn't yeah. look too threatening from them for once, which was a shame. So um, yeah, maybe it's the, a dual the, threat of Ebanks and Pierre that helps. Yeah, I think that's space. that's true actually, Ollie. But they continue to be poor, just coughing the ball up all the time. We would we wouldn't take advantage of our good moments. Um, there was a shot that Miller had, wasn't there, that went wide. That was a sort of half chance. I thought that one from a corner. Um, and yeah, then sort of halfway through the half, MK Dons made a change, didn't they, Ollie? Yeah, they did. So they took a player off. And the manager obviously wasn't very happy. Five no. subs. And he took a player off. And I'm sure he could have liked to have changed the whole team when I mean, they were that poor. Um, but it was quite funny, actually. MK Dons were whinging a lot. We were doing a really good job of kind of tackling them. And we were a bit, a bit rough sometimes, maybe. Um, but it, I do quite like to see um, when the opposition are moaning. Mm. Um, it was, shows that we're doing something quite good. Yep. Um, so, yeah, what happened next? Well, Rick, this so, is possibly what Rick gets the sack this next yeah. two couple of moments, isn't it? <laughs> well, you got it. Well, in the I'd context say, of last night, yeah, in the last night, yeah. Um, so, 
Edward crosses the ball um, after a recycle from Vela and Warley fires home. The video is really hard to see because actually it's one of the few moments they weren't really, they were a bit too zoomed in. Oh, but okay. I think from the reaction of the MK Dons players, the reaction of Pew and kind of where Warley is and where the defender is when they do come into shot, I'm going to say that I thought he was offside. Yeah, I can't tell. So this one's, I've got less of a judgment on this one than the next one, which I think was onside. But yeah, to me, yeah, it, it's it's impossible to tell, isn't it? You know, Ricketts yeah. is obviously adamant that they were yards onside. I'd be surprised to see that they were yards onside, um, particularly this one. But I, I can't think as a fan we can really have too much of a judgment of it. The camera, as you say, doesn't give us yeah. enough of a scope to look at it. Um, you, you probably take, if you want to take Sam Ricketts' word for it, it probably was onside. If you want to take their manager's word for it, it was offside. So um, <laughs> you make your judgment yeah. on that, I guess. <laughs> And the next one, I disagree with you. I thought actually, um, so the Pew put the ball in the back of the net. But for me, I thought Pew was was offside here. I thought okay. at least it was it wasn't like daylight. But for mm. me, it looked like at least like half his body, maybe more, was offside. Um, I thought that yeah. was a good call from the from the ref. That's funny, I watched it back today and I thought completely opposite. I thought he looked at least level, if not a little bit behind. So it's, it's funny, isn't it? You could probably stop it one frame forward and one frame back and it, and it just looked like slightly bit different. when you don't different. have the sidewood camera. Yeah, but it was a good, good bit of movement and, um, and, and you know, it was it was close, it, that, that's for yeah. sure. But both disallowed and, and both obviously, you know, we go in at 1-0 then, still kind of in charge of the game, let's be honest about it, in terms of um, the scoreline and, and how little MK Don's really threatened in that first half. They had a couple of half chances, long-range efforts that Iliev did okay with, didn't they? They never really had that glorious chance in the first half that would really get you worried and... Um, yeah, it was it was just a case. We were already thinking at half time at one nil up, weren't we? That are we going to be able to hold on to this? You know, you thinking if we get a second, that's what we need to do this week, unlike some of the other weeks, and maybe we'll hold on then. Turns out we got the second and didn't hold on. But at half time, I wasn't confident still. No, um, no, no. MK Dons just you know kind of shot from distance, but you know they've got a couple more points than us. They beat Sunderland, so you'd think they must have something a bit more. And they were playing badly, which made you think that they could only get better. Um, which yeah. I think is where you all your thought, your thought to come in from there, Glenn. Uh, but just on the first half, I suppose, because we can't really talk about this as a positive in the second half because it wasn't. Um, well, other than the, the, the first couple of minutes where we scored again and then just shut up shop. But the front the front three looks okay, I thought, Ollie. I have to say, I thought Vela in that more advanced role put some really nice crosses in and, and actually looked quite a bit more dynamic than I've seen him recently. Wally, obviously, we've discussed, and um, and even Pew until maybe you know, 35, 40 minutes when, to be honest with you, he started to get tired and stopped pressing. The, the opening spell from them three, they look dynamic and, and enough that a new manager, if he can get their fitness levels up and, and keep them playing you know, for 90 minutes, there's something to work with there if a new manager can come in and do that. Yeah, there's definitely something in there. I'd, I'd prefer to have a, a Cummings in there yep. um, or an Adair or, or um, particularly a Clark um, just to add a bit more of a focal point. But yep. if you're going to play counter-attacking football with Worley and, and that, that's, that's decent. And so that was half time, and then yeah, straight into second half, we did the same thing as the first, and we got a massively early goal, didn't we? In terms of uh, in terms of going up two nil, and again, I don't know. We'll talk about whether you thought that was game over. I, I thought for once it might have been. I just thought with everything on the line, surely we would see this one out, but it wasn't to be. But you've described this Ollie as a classic FIFA goal. Yeah, so this is classic FIFA <laughs> one two um, kind of option. So it's nice. Yeah, Warley gets it to Pew, who plays it back to Warley, and Warley goes into the box. He then crosses with his right foot back to Pew. Who, who stabs it home into the back of the net um, 49 minutes in and Shrewsbury Town are 2-0 up so it's been rare that we've got to this situation where we've been 2-0 up um, but yeah as you said Glenn just then you didn't feel confident you only feel confident no. probably when the final whistle went um, obviously having that two goal lead would have given us a bit more confidence for probably a bit longer 
But unfortunately, we only held the lead for five minutes. Well, sorry, we only held a two-goal advantage for five minutes. That was the killer, wasn't it? And I think Elliot said it on the commentary, listening to it last night, Mark Elliot, who was saying, you know, just devastating to let a goal in within five minutes. You know, if you held on to that lead and seen them out past 60, 75 minutes with a 2-0 lead, you would have been so much more confident to hold on to it. But yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't to be. In between our goal and their goal, we did have another chance, didn't we? Wally kind of drove, drove forward really well and, and just put it wide. It was a really good effort, that one, to be fair. It was probably like an inch, two inches wide. Um, again, if that goes in, it's, it's probably game over. That was over, a good but... effort. That was good from, from Wally. Yeah. That was basically created by himself yep uh, and he's Fantastic. a good threat but from from 49 minutes onwards we were abject I thought Ollie yeah. absolutely abject we did the same old mistakes that we've done under Sam Ricketts this season last season just repeating over and over again got deep got defensive got negative and at the end of the day got punished didn't we and there was so little to write home about in this last spell of this game yeah it was poor um, poor goal to concede and I'm kind of bored talking about the same things as you are Glenn um, yeah, really bad defending. So a nothing ball into the box. Daniels can't get quite get to it. Um, no real pressure on the man with the ball. All the time in the world to set himself. Cross into the box. Ilyev, um, I don't know what Brian Jensen's teaching the goalkeepers at the moment. <laughs> but he just palms it forward Awful. into an oncoming um, striker who puts it into the back of the net. And Not just any oncoming striker, Ollie. Yeah, good old Carl Morris. Ugh, God, um, just to rub that in. Yeah, um, and yeah. It was. It was a. He's not going to get an easier chance than that all season. Um, nope. And it's two one. And at this point, I was worried. It just felt like the inevitable was going to happen. We were definitely not going to hold the win. Did you? I'll ask you a question then, Glenn. Did you think we were going to hold out for the win at this point? No, once they scored, I, I was convinced no. we were going to at least draw it. You know, we've just seen them collapse so, so many times, and they still had ages to score from the time they got their set first. So there was so much of the game left, like a half an hour left. And MK Dons had been making generally a couple. I think they'd made a couple of changes during the. the they obviously, made the one in the first half, and I think they'd made another one or maybe two during the second half to freshen things up. Obviously, Carl Morris came on at half time. He was one of them. Yeah, I think they made two at half time. Yeah, but Ricketts yeah. just stood there. We didn't make any subs. We got tireder and tireder and tireder, and we have these five subs now. Something that he's been asking for for months because of injuries and fitness and that he was right behind that idea and again you know in a game like this we've 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 only we've only bloody made three subs at the end of the day we haven't even made the five to keep us fresh and we couldn't even name a full bench which was balmy I thought Ollie um so yeah well, I don't know we could we could just keep kicking over to Sam Ricketts but his management of substitutes as usual was absolutely awful in this game yeah no definitely um and then the the, the second goal was just absolutely abject and for me is is a if it, well, it is kind of the final straw. Um, it was. Um, in terms of um, Sam Ricketts. And if he's going to... Obviously, I have no idea how he's going to be feeling about this, but if he wants to look back and you know just look at how we've conceded these goals, that's an area that this team needs work on. Um, basically, the back three was really, really spread out. And basically, drone um, striker was just to the drone camera was just to the left of Walker, not marked. Pierre and Rochon Williams are just basically on their own in, in, in basically just covering <laughs> space, but yeah. not really offering much help. And basically, it was just a simple ball to him. He turned and shot and scored. That was it. Yep, yep. No Jeez. pressure from midfield. Huge gaps everywhere. No coaching. Just. Ugh. 
Yeah, that's that's a very good description. Ugh, Ollie. It was just ugh, wasn't it? And it was as again, we've said this word over the last few weeks, predictable. It was so predictable it was gonna happen. Our mental strength has completely des- deserted us. Our physical strength has completely deserted us in the last twenty five minutes. I know you haven't um I know you haven't put it in the agenda, Ollie, but I saw some comments from oh, I forget the name now. I think it's Mark Martin, isn't it, their manager? Um he was in his post match interview fuming because he thinks they should have beat us. Um and he said for the last thirty five minutes, Shrewsbury Town were gone physically and mentally. And to me, that is a perfect example, description, sorry, of what Shrewsbury Town are in the latter stage of second halves because of poor player recruitment, poor fitness levels in training and um, a lack of cover for this very intense period we're going through. We've got a massive squad and we still can't do it. So, yeah. um, well, I won't mention names, Glenn. Um, I won't oh, yeah. say who I got, <laughs> got this from, but a former player uh, mentioned that we were gone when we played them. Indeed. And it wasn't the 45-minute mark. It was before the 45-minute mark. It before was. Before their fitness had gone. Yeah, in a recent game, we won't mention names, but um, I don't, I don't disbelieve that comment, Ollie, for sure. Um, so that was it, and and from the point where they got their their winner, uh, sorry, their winner, it felt like a, it felt, it like, felt a like a winner. And when they got their second, winner. there was twenty minutes left, Ollie, and the rest yeah. of the game, did we get a reaction? No, no, they just kept coming and coming, and, and we were lucky not to lose it. Yeah, we were, and we should have lost, to be honest, if, if Mark Morrison had taken his chance. So it was good, good effort from distance from Frazier, and the defender was backing off and no pressure again. Mm. Just. Basic, basic errors, lads. Um, yep. And then across into the box, again, no pressure. And Morris, it was a typical effort, but I would expect a player of his ability should have scored. And that would have been um, 3-2 for them. And, man, remarkable. If, if they, I don't think they deserved to win that game. Um, no. And it would have been a, a bit of a, a grab and you know, steal if they'd done it. Um, but it was two poor teams, two dysfunctional teams conceding four sloppy goals. And another very poor team that we haven't beaten, Ollie. The yeah. amount of times we've said that this season is unbelievable. And it is the reason why we're second bottom now, because we are not beating poor teams and we're losing, you know, in spirited battles in some respects. We're losing or drawing against the better teams and that won't keep you up. That'll get us relegated. So nope. we've got to start putting away the poor teams, Ollie. We certainly have. So, yeah, who's your top three, Glenn? So go through this quickly. Um, yeah, Wally, obviously the standout, uh, a, a, um, a, a landmark moment for him, a landmark goal, um, and what should have been a fantastic night for him and a Man of the Match award turned very sour. So I feel really bad for Sean Wally this morning. Um, in terms of second, I went for Dave Edwards. He just, he's not leaving anything out there, Dave Edwards. Fair play to him. You know He's not got the legs he used to have, and um, there are things in this team that are not helping him at the moment, but he is putting his heart and soul into playing for this football club at the moment. He's the one you can see every week. He, looks t- he literally looks like he's going to cry every time we concede. It's, it's really upsetting to watch at times. He's emotionally quite scarred with what's going on, and you can understand it as a football fan and a, and a Shrewsbury Town fan, which is what he is. So that was harsh. I went for Miller third. I thought it was again solid and, and dependable. He didn't get forward as much as he used to, but in terms of the defenders, I thought he was probably one of the more solid ones. So um, that was my top three. Um, yeah, I went for Wally first because he was a standout. Second was Williams, and third was Edwards. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And so then, obviously, we've we've been watching an eye follow. It turned itself off halfway through the game for some people, and I don't think they were that upset about it, to be honest. But um, we obviously watched the end of the game, and, and you knew it was 2-2. Um, and, you know, you had that thing at the back of your mind that that's probably a result that sees him off, but you, you're never but you sure at the moment. Know. Yeah, We, we were chatting sure. last night, don't we? Yeah. We've got a little chat group with a couple of fans that we chat to. It's quite a regular chat, <laughs> to be honest. And um, mm. I was got to the point where I just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. So while... Mm. In some ways, I'm, I'm very, very relieved it's happened now. Um, I didn't have any faith it was going to happen. Cause, no. Because why didn't it happen after the Ipswich game? Why didn't it happen after the, Sunday, the, um, the Swindon game? 
Oh, I agree. The, the, um, you know, the relief feeling is two weeks too late. I mean, maybe even three weeks too late. You know, we've yeah. we've wasted a few weeks trying to give him more time than he needed, and all we've done, all we've really got out of that is progressing in the FA Cup past a weakened Cambridge team. That's all that this extra time has given us, and that's fine. You know, that's a bit of extra money in a TV going. game. But the negatives are yeah. we've slipped further down the league, and the confidence has continued to become like the last three league games have been de- devastating for confidence. Yeah. Conceding those late goals and, and losing these leads is awful. So yeah, Plus. hopefully. There's can... one extra thing as well, Glenn, as oh, well, is that we've also lost some other managers, which we'll come on to later. Well, but that's you know, true. Cluffy's yeah. got a job, some other people have got jobs. Yeah. Um, but we, we were obviously waiting then for Sam Ricketts' post match interview because you, you had a feeling this was going to be a big moment, didn't you? And um, it, it certainly was an interesting interview in terms of his demeanour and, and some of the ways he was treating the whole event. Um, but yeah, do you want to run through what he said first of all, So he said, and first we started out, you know, like the ref to come out, the first two goals, goals in the first two half were well on side. Um, if they're going to officiate that, you know, how are we going to ever win? Um, you know, we should have been at 4 0 up at half time. We were excellent. There were yards on side. It's, um, it's believable. Um, then Stuart um, done, tried to talk about um, holding on. And Stuart and Sam Rickett said, I'm not going to talk about that. That's me done on that. Um, and then he yep. carried on talking. He said, Yeah, we were very good sign until we gave them a goal. And then Stuart Dunn tried to talk about nine points. <laughs> and Sam Brave. Rickett said, um, I can't talk about this. That's enough. And then Student tried again, um, and to be fair to some because he does say, that's enough, thank you, and turns yeah. away. So I know a lot of fans have been very quite quite um, upset about this and quite reacted to this moment. For me, I don't think what he did was that bad. I thought this last night, I said to you this last night, didn't I, Glenn? Yeah, you did, and yeah. I, I, you know, I can understand what you're saying. The man, you know, Stuart Dunn is a Shrewsbury institution. I know, He's trying, I know. trying to do his job, and he was trying you know, to do his job. He didn't do anything. Stu- but I'm sure Stuart, Stuart Dunn is. No, Stuart had lost any sleep over it. I know yeah. Stuart really well. I doubt he would have done. But Stuart Dunn has never shown him any disrespect during his entire time at the football club, and it felt a little bit disrespectful. And I can kind of understand where Ricketts is coming from. You know, he he probably knew, and we didn't know at the time in this interview. He probably knew that that draw yes. had got him the sack, and we didn't know that. And so that's why it was maybe a bit more of a of a spiky, um, you know, interesting rea- reaction to some of the questions they've got. And obviously Lewis Cox then asked questions that we've we've not seen on on the social media. Yet, I saw it. I will listen to a bit. Oh, okay. He was like Lewis Cox was quite polite and said, "Can I ask you some questions?" And, and, and Sam Rick said, "Yeah, of course okay. you can." Fair so it was, it was good of him to do that. But he just wanted to go, didn't he? Yeah, I think, and I think for me, this is quite an interesting. This was just the fans are really frustrated. They've got nothing they can do. They can't go to the game and boo and chant or anything. Yep. And so for me, it was just it's a good example of how frustrated the fans are. And while I agree, it was a bit rude. I don't think it warranted the response it got, but they've got the response because fans just feel so hapless. Um, yeah. That makes sense. And and there's always an interview at the end of every manager's role where at this football club where they they say something. Obviously, Hurst not Hurst's the only one that didn't do it because he left. Disappeared. With, <laughs> he left at the sort of peak of his career. But you know, diabolical from um, Paul Mickey Simpson Mellon. and you know Mickey Mellon shouting at them up upstairs when he was having that crack at the press. And there's been a few over the years um, from some of the pressure under pressure managers. So it's not something we haven't seen before, and, and I'm sure we'll see it again from Shrewsbury Town managers. But yeah. I like Stu Dunn. He's actually a friend, and you should leave. He, he listens to the so podcast this week every week as well. So thanks, Stuart, for listening. And yeah, I appreciate. There we go. Um, the work so, do. it did leave me feeling last night, having listened to that interview, that 
I personally, you know, you were you were still saying, oh, I don't think you'll go. I, I was still thinking today could be the day. Um, I've thought slept, that the last few weeks. Last <laughs> yeah, I was, after that interview, I was more convinced, to be honest, Ollie. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's that's the end of the game. It was another shit result, in all honesty. Um, take Sam Ricketts out of it. We were right bang in trouble, Ollie. Really badly in trouble. And um, whatever happens, new, a new manager coming in better have some experience of a relegation battle because there's no way we're getting out of this for a very long time. So, um, yeah, that, that's my view of where we are after that game, Ollie. It's not good. It's cool. So let's look forward to... Well, let's not look forward. Let's look back a little bit at Sam Ricketts' reign and then look forward to... You've done a good piece of a, a bit of research, Glenn, on who potentially could be a replacement manager. So, yeah. Let's get into that. Eleven forty five today. Um, the news came through <laughs> an hour um, and fifteen minutes ago, Ollie. Yeah, not long ago. Um, so yeah, the statement came out that um, that Sam Ricketts and Dean Whitehead um, had had left mm. the club, um, and yeah, um, it seems that Brian um, Jensen, the goalkeeper coach, is still here. There's yep. no news on who is going to be the um, the caretaker manager. So that's something that we'll have to find out in due course. Yeah. Um, and, it, and the statement did say that the club confirmed that the club have parted company with the manager. So it wasn't mutual or anything like that. Um, but it was quite short, uh, quite a short statement from the club. Yeah, he's. It's definitely a you've been sacked. Not we've agreed to a mutual termination, yeah. which is fine because they ha- the board have been meaning to do needing to do this for a couple of weeks, as we've said. So they finally have pulled on their big boy pants and done their job. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. Lewis Cox tweeted out, and it's just worth remembering that this is quite a long period that's passed since Sam Ricketts was here. So yeah, he leaves the football club just one week shy um, of a two year anniversary at Shrewsbury Town. Um, Twenty eight wins in ninety six games in all competitions. 17 wins in 73 league games. And again, as I pointed out last week, Ollie, that equates to 73 points from an available 219. I mean, 17 wins in 30, 30, 73 and 28 in 96 is... It's got awful, and there's, there's going to have no way that you'll ever look back on the, this time with Sam Ricketts as manager and say that the league form was ever anything than very poor. Um, one little one little moment in the sort of six to eight weeks before last Christmas, the rest of it was awful. Yeah, and we actually created a file last February um, <laughs> did. of why the manager should get sacked, and that was in that period when we, Ricketts Ball came, came out. And he was getting um, chanted out. And yeah. for me, and I think the wins, the total wins versus the league wins are really interesting. So he's won like, yeah, what was it, 11 wins in the Cups? And for me, that kept him in a job last year. Yeah. And for me, that has kind of papered over some other cracks um, when we were getting really frustrated. Um, it, it, it is mad, that. 11 Cup wins and 17 league wins. It's terrible. It wasn't, it wasn't far it's, off The win ratio is 24%. Or, <laughs> it's I mean, terrible. Which is just utterly terrible. Oh. And his points per game, so his points per game in the first season, 26 games, was 1.08, which I've yep. mentioned a few times, was only fractionally better than John Askey. Last season was okay, one point two one, and then this season is um, is sixty nine point sixty nine points Ugh. per game, nine Over- points from thirteen games. So overall, overall yeah, yeah seventy eight points 7. from thirty. I'm sorry, seventy eight points from seventy three games is not good at all. No. Yeah, only just over a point a game for for seventy eight games, That's which is typically stag- relegation form. 
Yeah, it, we, it's quite unbelievable. We haven't been relegated under Sam Ricketts. You know, yeah. he just about did enough that first would, season. We and, would and have we, we got relegated last season if the season had ended. You know, that Tranmere yep. argument. Well, even the first season, we stayed up with what two games to go, and we with got the, yeah, dragged right with, back into it yeah. with the coin wins. Yeah. So, and that's why we made that file in February, wasn't it? Because we weren't happy back then. Yeah, back to that word relief, Ollie. Yeah, com- com- completely agree. And I suppose before we just look at new managers, it's worth reflecting on some of the times. Um, you know, obviously the three seasons he was here, those seventy-eight league games. You know, what were some of the highs and lows? Just thinking back now, as a, as a sort of starting point, we did this when the other managers left. So it's always interesting, really, to think what you pick out. So I don't know for you, Ollie. Let's start with the best game you went to. As for me, it's got to be the FA Cup game when Sean Cummings scored that goal, turning around and grabbing Phil, saying, "We've done it. We've effing done it." <laughs> <laughs> that was mad that was absolutely mad I would agree that was a good night I, I actually think still looking back now I still um, adore the victory at Stoke in the FA Cup where we were 2-0 down at half time and came back to win 3-2 because that was again a similar one of those I can't believe we've actually done that but with a miraculous comeback in all honesty um, and, and a really good um, bit of play from some, some good footballers there like Josh Laurent and, on that night and James Bolton um, players he let go unfortunately so yeah for me I would go for Stoke away it'd be interesting to get anyone's views once they listen to this about yeah. whether they agree or not on these but um, that's that's the best game we were at I suppose in terms of um, worst moment Ollie what what are you feeling you know in this entire period um, under Sam Ricketts what, what's My your worst, worst moment, moment is actually a non-game day and it was the Monday oh, okay. after we lost to Ipswich 5-1. And, and, we, and oh. he didn't get relieved of his job at that point. Because for me, that's just like, mm. like we were chatting to some of our mates and we were going, yeah, he's got to go now, he's got to go now. It's 10am, it's 11am, it's midday, it's 1, it's 2. Oh, he's in the press conference with Lewis, it ain't happening. Um, and for me, that was a low point because I was just thinking, like, I've got a lot of respect for the board. The way the club is run is fantastic. But I genuinely didn't yep. understand what they were seeing and what they were hoping for. And for me, that just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah, it, it just made me weird, wonder what was going to happen and how long it was going to be, and were we actually going to get relegated? What was yours? True. It's interesting. This my, my main moment, which I'll talk about now, just beats this other moment, which is, I, and I can't remember the game now. I should have gone back and checked it. We were trying to do this quite quickly when we when we played. I think it was last season, and we threw a, a two nil lead at home to Oxford. Yeah, they won three sure. two. Yeah, that. They won three two, and I just thought then that was where I really thought yeah. this isn't going to ever work for him. I just you know, remembered a good moment then, if I can add was... in as well. Coventry at home when we won. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes, yeah, there was. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should do a bit on on Twitter and stuff about some of the other moments and yeah. maybe do a top five thing. But um, yeah, so that that I remember that game when we lost it against Oxford. I remember that being my sort of. Um, high watermark for absolute frustration with Ricketts Ball but I, I actually don't think that's my top anymore I, I still cannot get over going to Liverpool away and that performance we put in against children at the end of the day you know a, a talented but youth team and not being able to beat them with what was probably our strongest team at this time and the way that Sam Ricketts approached that game the negativity if you remember the the lack of, of sort of um, trying to impose a, a full EFL professional football team's male men's team you know adults against these children that playing academy football still frustrates me to this day it was one of the golden opportunities for this football club to have made a real mark for themselves within world football on the biggest stage you can possibly find at the big one of the biggest clubs a mega stadium and we approached it in completely the wrong way and, and that for Sam Ricketts as much as all the other Liverpool and, and Stoke and Wolves and, and Bristol Rovers amazing cup victories will also stay with me that one sticks with me as the real the real thing that gets my goat every time thinking about um, our time under Sam Ricketts so yeah there we go which which links to just kind of the overall overarching issue with this club is about the mentality of the players um, and how we set ourselves up 
we've, we've mentioned this a few times now. I really do think losing John Rick, uh, John Pitts in the summer was not great. I, I think mentally there's something been missing but, this but season. That happened, Glenn, when he was there. So yes, that, that did, argument but... doesn't necessarily hold up. It seems worse this season, Ollie. I, yeah. I personally think um, it's got worse, that's but my it wasn't great yeah. before, though. No, and but the whole reason he was in there is because it's been a long-term issue. You know, maybe it was a it was a good idea, I think, for Ricketts to look at that side of the game and bring someone in to help doing that because it's been a continual problem at this football club. But um, as soon as he went, it just seems to have got back to, to the way it used to be. We'll, we'll go through the rest of these ones now. Best signing, worst signing, Ollie. So what, let's start with best signing of Sam Ricketts. For me, it was Williams. He just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I think there's still a good player there. Um, he's a player that's probably the only player we've got value in the squad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for me, it's he's for me he's he's the best signing. That's a good shout. I would go for a bit of a toss-up between Pierre, who despite his travails this season is clearly an incredibly talented player. Obviously our player of the season last year, player of the season at Northampton the season before that. His form has gone off a cliff, but I, I still think he's a very talented player. And and I'd tie that with Edwards. I mean, yeah, it's more for the story and the narrative and the, the fairy tale and the emotion behind football, which we miss sometimes. And getting Dave Edwards to come back and him convincing him to do it and, and there being that relationship there for them to work together was was a really uplifting moment um, when he came in, Ollie, you have to, you've kind of forget that now, I think, looking back. And, um, you know, Dave is still showing week in, week out that he has something to offer this football club. So I think between those two for me, for best signing. Cool, cool. Um, and then, yeah, biggest mistake, what was yours? Oh, we've got to do worst signing oh, first, worst Ollie. Signing, sorry. Go man. on, go on. It's hard to look between one man, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, Morrison. Morrison, yeah, the guy that came from uh, where was it, um, Millwall, yeah. and couldn't score, and, and then, then just went, sort of then thought became oh, a coach at Northampton or something. Bollocks to this, yeah. And I, I did also add another one on there, Ollie. Um, Usamane, Usamane Fane, or whatever it was. Do you remember we signed him, and <laughs> he was supposed to be this next big thing, and then he just he just disappeared and went. It was not really. Um, I think some of that might have been personal issues, but when you look at car crash signings, that that was one I think really. Yeah. But um, there we go. Biggest mistake, yeah. What about you, Ollie? Um, for me, I agree with you, Glenn. So you say what it is. Yeah, the the, the biggest mistake, um, having got through that first half a season, all of last year, and kept us up, and and just about keeping his head above water. The squad building this summer was his biggest mistake. He got it all wrong, completely and utterly wrong. And these 13 games in the league and, and the cup games around it have been a, uh, a testament to how wrong he got that um, in terms of building a fit squad, guys who can run through walls, play it three games a week, um, and, you know, as we've said, covering positions where you where you need it. And for me, yeah, I, I say you agree with it, Ollie. So, yeah, for, for me, squad building this summer, terrible. So we have to say, obviously, kind of closing comments. Sam Ricketts was the only manager we've been able to interview. Um, it's the first time we've asked, to be fair, but at the same time, you know, he was really <laughs> nice to us. He was really polite. Um, he seems like a really nice guy, um, and I hope hope he feels better in a few weeks' time and when he looks back on this. And you know, fingers crossed, and for him, hopefully, he can have a good career. Um, you know, we don't want we don't wish ill of him, um, yep. and I don't feel buzzing or excited today. I just feel relief um, that hopefully. Um, we can all kind of do a bit better and have some better performances and results. Um, yeah, that's my kind of closing comments. Yeah, I don't. He doesn't leave this football club for me as a hated figure. Like maybe there have been some some people who've who've been even worse for us. But I, I don't. He doesn't leave me with any feelings of particular joy or or, or happiness about him. You know, him as a Town football manager. He gave us a few good cup results, and the rest of it was abject. And he doesn't leave me with with you know anything other than. Thanks. Move on. Let's try and get to a ne- next era. If I gave him a mark out of ten, it would probably be four. Um, that's where I'm at with Sam Ricketts. It doesn't mean he wasn't a really nice bloke to interview us. It was really good to sit down with him, and I think we've been as fair and honest with him 
on this podcast over the last you know two and two and a bit years really as we possibly could we've tried to look at the positives we've tried to go with what he said in the summer and think yeah this is the new way to build the football club and it's going to be exciting and we're going to score more goals and unfortunately unfortunately what he told us wasn't true Ollie and it's, well, it's not that it's, it wasn't true he wasn't able to implement it he wasn't able to do what he yeah he didn't he couldn't walk the walk could he unfortunately um as much as his ideas sounded exciting so yeah if he goes on to to manage somewhere else fair play to him i suspect that he will have to take a quite a humbling on this one and, and might be starting a little bit lower down but i'm sure we will come agra- come against him another time like we do all our old managers ollie and um yeah we we will revisit the sam ricketts era then i guess again yeah so yeah so and let's yeah let's look ahead of Potentially potential new managers um, and discuss all that in tonight's because there's a there's an elephant in the room, Glenn. Who is going to be the next shoe town manager? Ollie? I am quite excited about this process. Um, just to start a headline chat about it, it's a very very important decision for the football club. This we've we've got to get it right. And the football club have followed the pattern three times in a row, haven't they? Hurst, Askey, Ricketts, non-league managers or managers that are coming up from the non-league who are on their way up or seemingly were on their way up. Um, it is going to be fascinating, Ollie, to see if they follow that process again yeah. for me. Um, but we'll revisit that in a minute. But in terms of the elephant in the room, like you just discussed, his name is Paul Hurst. The man, the myth, the legend <laughs> to some. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like He's going to be the name on everyone's lips. And he was when we tried to employ Ricketts, wasn't he? Because he was... Um, I think he'd just been let go by Ipswich then, hadn't he? And he was, he was available when ASCII went. So it's going to be fascinating to see quite what happens. Uh, it feels like... I personally feel like I'd love it. I'd love him back. Um, I'm sure that one interview, coming back to the football club, he could say three or four little sound bites that would placate 90% of our fan base and we'd be we'd be off. Do you know what I mean? And it'd be back to basics. But I, I feel like if I pin my um, flag to that mast, I'm going to get my heart broken. And a lot of this is going to depend on, on Brian and, and, um, and Roland and, and the situation that went on before. But... Yeah, at the moment, Ollie, the first betting odds are out, aren't they? What, an hour and a half now since um, the announcement? And I know you hate betting odds this early on, but who is top of them at the moment, Ollie? So, yeah, it is actually Paul Hurst that's top. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, my little stay on Paul Hurst, so I don't think he would be able to replicate what he did before. I just don't think it would happen. Um, it was such a miracle season, so I don't think he'd ever be able to hit the heights. And mm. I think it's also interesting that, you know, he he, he got sacked at Switch. He got he struggled and got sacked at Scunthorpe, um, and I'm led to believe that he went for the Tramway and the Manfield job, and he didn't get it. So yep. while I understand why, obviously his he was that season was just amazing. It's the best season I've ever had supporting the town. Um, I'm not sure if we should go back. If he did come back, I probably I would accept it, and I'd yep. probably be fairly happy. But I think I'd be happier with a different manager. Can I give you a counter argument? Who who says that in this stage of the game we need him to come back and replicate that amazing season? What we need him to come back and do is replicate the first half of the season he had, which was picking up a team in shambles, kicking kicking some heads together, getting team a team back to basics, getting them something to believe in, and winning and getting enough points on the board to keep a team up. He, if you want a manager to come in and take us to the top of the league, it's probably not the right time. We need a manager that can do both. And, and Ricketts has get shown him in a few he can, months basis. Are you? No, no, no. But I mean, he's shown he can do. He both, can do you know, that. If, yeah, he's, I yeah. always argued, didn't I, um, in the end of season pods we had with Mark and, L- and Lewis, that actually saving us from relegation was in some ways a bigger miracle. Amazing, yeah. Because yeah, he had point. I, I remember the stats. He had one point one five seven points per game, which is miles yep. better than even Sam Ricketts did last season. 
Exactly. So to me, you know, if you're looking at managers to come in and we'll discuss all these names now, we do need someone with a bit of experience in relegation yeah. battles, Ollie, which some of these managers don't have, in all honesty. So, yeah, that, that's another point on the, the Hurst board yeah. for me. But we could go round and round talking about all the whys and wherefores for Paul Hurst. And, and he, to me, when I look at all these names, if you took away the baggage, he just looks like a perfect appointment. And that's the sad thing about it, unfortunately. I wouldn't but say perfect because he came with sort of a clean CV before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are some names on here we'll go to that have clean CVs. Um, True. But... Just before I get to that, betting odds. So Go on, have your Brian has told me this, <laughs> and I think you were there. I can't if you were there yeah, when he told us. He said, "Lower basically the bookies do not give one odour of care about lower league um, football manager odds, and the betting odds that you see are just a reaction of who's been betting. So yep. if me and you were crazy and put ten k on, I don't know." Um, Robbie Fowler, Robbie Fowler, <laughs> all of a sudden across the nation would be the number one favourite. So if you want to change the odds, have a bet, but don't use the betting odds to think that you're yeah. going to get, because from Shrewsbury's point of view, I can never remember them getting it right. And it's just purely based on the reaction to people's bets. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at the Sack Race now, which is that website that lists kind of the beds. These are all bet Victor odds. And to be fair, most of the names on this list, Ollie, are from that list I put online earlier on. So maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe they've just used that. So we'll, we'll, come to our, we'll come to our list now. But yeah, we've, we've talked about Hurst. And I will he even get an interview? Who knows? I very much doubt he'll even be asked to pick up the phone. But I'm pretty sure, Ollie, that he would want to come back. That's all I say about the matter. But We've got others out there, haven't we? So we've got a, we put a big list out on Twitter um, earlier today, and and we've got sort of a few categories that players fall under. But in terms of standouts, Ollie, um, in terms of people that might be available to me, there are three. Um, you might want to add to the standouts category. But there's Paul Cook, there's Danny Carroll, and there's Graham Alexander, all of which have got experience at League One, which is what I personally want from my manager now in this period. I think we need someone that knows what they're doing in this league, um, and knows how it works, and and can work it around there. I'm saying they're standouts. I doubt Carolee or Cook would come here. Maybe we could convince Alexander, but they're, they're definitely three candidates that if you were ever pushing the boat out financially to get someone here, they, they all three of them would be fully justifiable. Yeah, for me, Carolee stands out. Yeah, definitely. Massively stands out. He seems to be really well spoken. and Yeah, he's obviously tanked himself for a job. He's on the media quite a bit, the media routine at the moment. Um, yep. So yeah, if he would be my, my, my kind of standout. But yeah, be happier with Cook. Alexander, I'm not so sure. Yeah, he's done. A, he's done a good job at some clubs yeah. and not at the others. But that's pretty standard for most League One two managers, and that you, you find your feet somewhere and you fail elsewhere. So it'd be interesting to see what he would do in terms of managers that are in jobs. Ollie, um, it'd be. <laughs> I can't see us paying any severance fees for some of these managers. It depends what their contracts are. If they've only got contracts this summer, it might not be an issue. But, you know, you've got people like Michael Flynn at Newport, um, Ryan Lowe at Plymouth, and Michael Duff, who's having a good time at Cheltenham there. The sort of managers that, you know, our football club feel like they would probably be looking at. Managers that are doing well at League Two, looking to make a step up. But can you see the football club paying for, for managers like that this time around? I don't think in the COVID environment. And also, to be honest, um, we haven't touched on this yet, but I wanted to just discuss it. Last time, it's yep. taken us a while to get a manager. Um, we True. haven't got the time to do that. So trying to negotiate a manager out of a contract, um, I think, adds um, time. So unless it's already been done, you know, we've mm. we've tapped up um, Duff or something like that, um, I don't foresee us going down that route. Nope. 
And then there's some sort of outsiders, I suppose, people that are out of a job um, or, or not out of a job in, in reference to some of these people, I suppose. There's, you know, someone like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, um, who's obviously out of a job but has done a job at League One before. There's someone like Kevin Nolan, who was managing in, in the lower leagues, has now gone to be the assistant manager at West Ham. But if he wanted to come back into being the manager full time, then he's, he's probably got an option. Um, and there's Gary Caldwell, even Steve Cottrell, who it's been rumoured for years that the chairman really likes. You know, any any outsiders off that list that you you can see there that you think might might be goers, Ollie? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'd really like Nigel Pearson. Yes, that was the next one we we're going to yeah. come to. So yeah, is that the sort of move you think Shuvtan can well, even pull off? I have no idea. He was mm. um, he was um, on. So I was cutting the lawn um, a couple of about a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, doing a winter cut. And then um, Nigel Pearson was on Five Live. He was on Five Live for quite a few hours. So I actually got to hear a lot from him. And he was talking about the title at Watford and stuff. And he made a really interesting comment about, you know, the project needs to be interesting to him. And he alluded to that he wouldn't rule anything out necessarily. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and he also said he hates the media and all that kind of stuff in the Premier League. Well, let's be honest, the media commitments of managing Shrewsbury are minuscule compared to managing Watford. So maybe that's a, a maybe a feather in our cap, but you know he's a former former um, former player, um, and he seems really really articulate. He seems I think he's also what we need. Obviously, yep. he's a fantastic manager. He's probably you know he's five stars in terms of um, talent and ability, but he's also very articulate. And yeah, I don't know. I think he'd be a really really amazing fit. I can't see it happening though. Yeah, I, it, I can't see it happening either. But you never know, do you, in football? It's one of those weird games. And um, maybe, you know, he's got contacts with the football club from his time here in, and the chairman and, and potentially other people in the local area. He's a, he's a r- r- rural cloak by the sounds of it from him working on his farm and stuff like you said I'm not too sure how far away that is but um might might be a long way for him but yeah in, interesting link uh, to come up I suppose the other option is you know you look at experience or you look at players who've been in management is this the time for the club to go for something totally untested Ollie and really really go mad and sort of um maybe offer it to a, a Sadler Matt Sadler or a, or a Danny Coyne I suppose he's not untested but you know as, as, as a long-term manager Dave Edwards as a player manager you know we've done that at this football club before or even someone like maybe convincing Eric Ramsey to come back from Chelsea and, and take up a, a role as a, as a head of a of a football club you know all, all sort of different options there in terms of untested managers do you think do you think that's something they would consider at the moment or is it or is it too risky um god knows what they're thinking but um, I yeah, hope yeah. not um I no. don't think it's the unless it's well Perhurst came in didn't he when he was doing well at Grimsby he had a good rep yep. all that kind of stuff and he came in and he was kind of untried and stuff at this level I wouldn't really want to maybe go down the untested route mm. um because I'd want someone to come in who's got that kind of experience and has got that. Yep. We need someone who's a really strong character. Correct. We need someone who's going to not fear, but have a bit of, you know, oomph in the bloody dressing room and the players are mm. like, you know, a bit of urgency in the team. We're, yep. I don't feel like the players, I'm not saying the players don't care, but it doesn't seem to be any kind of urgency or frustration or anger or it's all too like... Too easy for them. Yeah, it's too easy. That's a nice saying. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, which which is, brings me to the last comment, which is outsiders. You know, anyone off that list we put out there, or even even at the back of your mind that you might think is an outsider. For me, I'll throw one outsider out there, which would be an interesting point. Would be Graham Coughlin. Um, obviously had a short spell at Bristol Rovers, a player who was well liked at this football club. Obviously went to Wembley with us once, and and was pretty decent for us the whole time through. So he's a bit of an easier sell to the fans. You know, that's the sort of appointment at a left field I could probably see happening because I don't I don't think he'd be that expensive. He's out of out of work at the moment, um, and is something that could be a better sell to the fans and you know someone that could could try and do something different and certainly a, a, a an iron willed kind of bloke from his time at Shrewsbury that might be able to shake up a dressing room that's my yeah, kind of left field one it's not a bad option um, and mm. Bonnie haven't got on here Glenn I don't know Go why 
Um, he's gone on and done better for himself. Yeah. Paul Simpson. Oh, shut up, Ollie. He's a World Cup winner. He's a World Cup winner, Ollie. We can't get World Cup winners back in here. God, could you imagine? Could you imagine? I don't know. Is he still managing the England and 21s or did he leave the no 20s idea, or did he leave that job? No I don't idea. know. He ain't coming Seems back odd. anyway. No, he isn't. So let's stop talking about that. Um, otherwise, someone will be telling me that Jimmy Quinn's still available. But um, yeah, I think that obviously it's a long list. And I just was looking through this uh, while you were talking then through the Sack Race website, and every name on that website is on our list. So there we go. That's quite fascinating, to be honest with you. Apart from. Oh, what's his name? Diego Mara, Mariapa or something like that. He's the only one that was on the list, so I don't know. Um, and there are other names out there. And, and to be honest with you, who knows? In the next couple of days, someone else could get sacked from a club, and they suddenly go into the free pool, don't they? I know Northampton and a couple of other clubs might be might be looking for new managers soon as well. So it makes it a bit more competitive. So for me, if we're going to get a manager in, let's do it in a very short time period this this time because you know we don't want any other clubs no. kind of trying to trying to steal a manager office. I think we're going to still looking for a manager, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's so. a couple of other. Yeah, we're going to looking for a manager. Um, there's a couple of others floating around. I imagine there'll be more soon as well. Um, but hopefully, obviously we need a new manager, um, mm. but hopefully the players are going to have a little bit of a meeting today and realise that they got a manager sacked. Yeah, yeah, true enough. And realise that there's a, there's a whole new era coming now and this this is not acceptable, this starts this season. Hopefully they'll be running be up Portman's Hill going before we know it. Well, exactly. That's my main main concern is that for the last few years they haven't been running up Portman Hill, Ollie. And to me, and we say that as a luck. joke, let, but we talk let, seriously no, about fitness. But, I, yeah. <laughs> if, if Sam Ricketts can talk about curses, Ollie, I can talk about the fact that you know it's bad juju not to run up Portman Hill in pre-season. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right at Shrewsbury Football Club. So um, that's, that's my outside theory on it. Um, but... If you were picking when you want a manager in by Ollie, when what, what would your date be? What would your game be? Oh, bloody hell, Dan, you put me on the spot there, mate. Well, um, that's what I'm here for. Um, well, let me just have a look at the fixture. So basically, so we're now on Wednesday. Um, you'd hope it wouldn't go over two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks? Oh, jeez. If it drags on that long, I'd be really Well, that's worried. what I mean. And, like, you've got, yeah. I don't want it to go over two weeks. If there's a manager in place by next weekend, that would be equal. I don't think anything's going to happen this weekend and I would want us to take the time. So I think maybe mm. before next Saturday would be would be ideal. I won't, unless there's one today or tomorrow or something, which is very untrue to be like. It is very untrue to be like. I can't see anyone but a, a caretaker manager doing the cup. It's Oxford City, really. With with or without a permanent manager, if these lads can't beat Oxford City at home, then we've got more problems than sacking Sam Ricketts, let's be brutally honest. Um, But I'd like someone in, even if it was one of those ones where they've been appointed but they're just going to sit in the stands and watch the first game, um, that, that home game on Wednesday, I think... It would actually, as, as people point out, it would actually be a massive boost to the fans going there. It would change the narrative of the atmosphere and the experience. I think it would be good. Even if he's not in charge, just to have them sitting in the stands would be really helpful. So that'd be what I'd like. If it is the following Saturday, it is the following Saturday. But beyond that, I think you're, you're taking the piss, really. And um, we didn't learn that lesson the one time where we left Danny Coyne in charge and he lost all three games. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we need to we need to avoid that because we cannot avoid to lose three more league games back-to-back. We, well, we'd yeah, be in so much trouble. Five points yeah. or four points? At the moment, it's not, I can't remember now. Um, I couldn't dread to look at the league table last night. Um, there was a gap <laughs> growing. Um, let's have a look. Yep. So we are, we've got nine points. So it's four points still. It's four, um, yeah. To, yeah. to Rochdale, Bristol, Rovers, um, mm. and Swindon, and Oxford. Um, yes. But yeah, you could quickly stop you know, pulling away and to staying down mm. there. And then the gap above that, um, like there's a lot of teams that probably think they're not in a relegation zone, but you go up to 14th, the crew are 16 points. Yep. So we're only seven points behind there. So while we were saying we need a new manager, you have a few decent results and we could be out of this quite quickly, but yeah. we'd need a manager to do that, I think. The new manager bounce could reset this season and just uh, you know get us our heads above water and, and battle against But it's going to be a lot of hard season. work yeah. to fix this team. 
that mm. enough fans oh. need to be under no illusion that the fitness and- level, the squad, the balance of the squad, how the players are performing, how coached they are, how well, how strong we are defensively. This new manager has got a massive task on their hand. So yeah. we would love a new manager bounce, but you you not can't expect that, can you, Lynn? No, you do normally get it, don't you, just for the psychological effect, I think, sometimes more than anything, and we may get that a little bit. You might find some positive um, performances, but yeah, it's a bit of a more long-term plan than that. And I think that the last place I want to leave this is is to bring it back to Paul Hurst and Sam Ricketts and just have a comparison, because a lot of people who, who have got an issue with Paul Hurst is it about the way he left the football club and probably won't feel the same way about Sam Ricketts. And to me, I feel completely the opposite. Like, you know, we discussed how Paul Hurst left this football club and we gave the rationales for it and, you know, we, we made our judgment on that. But, you know, people are saying, oh, he'll need to apologise because he, he left this football club in a certain way. To me, Paul Hurst left us near the top of, you know, Division 1, almost taking us to Championship. He left us with two players that we went on to sell for a million pound each and a squad full of a few other players that we made a profit out of. A squad that could have done better that following season under the right manager. Sam Ricketts leaves this football club in a shambles of a team with players all over the shop, ageing players, not much resale value. Paul Hurst left um, the squad in a shambles as well, mate, because we didn't have anyone uh, left. Well, but that, well, fair enough. You think if you think that's way when he actually left when through he the left, club, we had we had loads of players out of contract. We had no value in the squad, and Askey came in and didn't do a great job. But he was left wasn't exactly left with a great legacy. So I agree that Paul Hurst did amazing did really well and we had an amazing season but I'm not having that he left us in a much better squad position than we have now with Sam Ricketts I disagree with you Ollie and we shall maybe leave that one there but I, I, I personally think as I say if you were thinking about managers in the position they left us in Sam Ricketts has left us in way more shit than Paul Hurst well, did in, so... in, in the middle of the season yes but well, yeah, in terms exactly. of the value of the squad and where we were the squad was a shambles when he left and we would have gone to the championship we would have been in a right nightmare well, we wouldn't have. If we'd got to the championship, he would have stayed. We'd have had about another six million quid in the bank and we might have signed some good players. So it's a hard comparison, isn't it? I think we're going to disagree on this point, Ollie. All I'm saying <laughs> is fine. just, you know, look at the... look at. I think sometimes we have to look at how people leave a football club and yeah. if you're emotionally upset about someone leaving, then you should be pissed off about how this manager's left us because yeah. he could easily leave us in a situation we can't get out of. That's the truth of it. So I, I don't know. That's why I'm not feeling as as, as rosy and, and uh, you know, happy pat on the back about Ricketts as, as other people are. I'm a bit pissed off about how this era's gone this season and... Um, yeah, it's 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 at least gone. It's done, Ollie, and we can yeah. park this nice hour podcast on a on a Wednesday afternoon, and we can look forward to whoever's going to come in and take us to that next level. Hopefully, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. hope you guys enjoyed this pod. Um, yeah, we'll be back again on Sunday or Monday or something when after the FA Cup game. Monday, probably, that. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, oh. let us know your thoughts. Who would you like as manager, and what was your high point? What was your low point? Um, and yeah, we'll be back again soon. Good man. Can I have some lunch now, Ollie? Yeah.